Here comes Schofield. Oh! Nastiness. Wait a second. Driving left, dunking right over Love. All right. He's got everything going early on. Schofield, the theft. And look at the That's what she said. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, talking basketball during Tennessee, Florida football week time. I'm going to turn Grant's microphone on time so he can talk time. Hey, Grant, is your microphone on time? It's on. It says on. Is this thing on? Famous last words when you say, we're not going to do a, a test. We're good. Time. Whatever, whatever type of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker, Grant Ramey, coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. Going to try to drop it to you on a Wednesday night, perhaps. Maybe early Thursday morning, but the hope is to get this out to you Wednesday night. So happy Wednesday night or Thursday morning. Those are two of my favorite times of every week. Love Wednesday night and Thursday morning. Why is that? I don't really. It's the longest night of work during the week except for Saturdays. Cause mm, Pruitt is ta- it really? For me, it is. Pruitt talks after practice and the photo gallery. That's true. And all that other stuff. It just seems like a long day. But you know what? I don't have two kids, so that is, uh, that's okay. Nothing's ever really that I bad. I don't either. I sold mine. Black market. Grant, before we hop into what is a basketball podcast because there's big, big, big news for Tennessee basketball this week. Five-star news. Five-star Tennessee basketball news. Uh, your thoughts on the Atlanta Braves in the playoff race? Oh, I'm so nervous. I thought that's why I wanted to ask you. I am nervous like a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. You really think it's possible for them to blow that lead? Uh, yes, I've watched the Braves since <laughs> April. I know 100% <laughs> it's possible. I suppose. I mean, the the Cubs are doing all right. I'm happy that the uh, the, the they seem to be distancing themselves the f- a tad bit from the Brewers, but the bullpen injuries there, uh, Strope out for the regular season, Morrow out for the whole season. A lot of, lot of questions in that. Milwaukee that might bullpen. have the only good bullpen in the National League, which could be yeah. trouble once the playoffs start. And I'm not even worried that much about the Phillies as much as I am about the Nationals. I think they could be the team that comes out of nowhere and does something because both the Phillies and the Braves act like they don't want it. So It's interesting that the uh, the – that that hater guy in the eighth is unreal for the Brewers, and then they throw in that closer with five pitches, which should be illegal. Closer should throw three pitches tops, just my opinion. When you got five in there and you got the stuff that guy's got, that ain't right, man. Rivera did it with one. Fastball, fastball, fastball. Cut, 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 cut. Uh, can we segue from that? Yeah, because Brad Woodson cuts good. <laughs> cuts real hard. He cuts real hard. He cuts what real he's good. doing out there. And it seems like now Brad Woodson will be a teammate of a five-star prospect. Tennessee has gotten a commitment on Wednesday morning from Josiah James, who is, I believe, the number 14 overall prospect in the industry-generated 24-7 sports composite. Grant, this was a recruitment that, I tell you, we sat here, what, two, three weeks ago? Mm-hmm. And we had an entire 10 or 15-minute talk on... After Trey Mann committed to Florida. Yeah, on what was it going to take for you know for these high four-stars, these five-star type prospects. What was it going to take for Barnes and his staff to stop just getting to the table and eat? And they ate 
on Josiah James. Number 14 overall prospect, number three overall combo guard prospect in the 24-7 sports composite, a six foot six combo guard from Charleston. Lovely. One of my top five favorite cities in the United Left-handed States. Left-handed six foot Charleston, six point guard. South Carolina. Like a unicorn. Just on. Un- and mean, the funniest thing is I saw him on the sideline with Grant Williams uh, before the ETSU game during his official visit. Grant was the host. He was taller than Grant. So Grant Williams is going to be a senior power forward uh, when Josiah gets here, and the point guard is going to be taller than the uh, big man on campus <laughs> power forward. The uh, six foot five listed yeah. at six foot seven or whatever power forward Grant Williams. Yeah, the uh, he, he's uh, uh, an interesting fit there for that uh, that position. Grant Williams, not the not the largest guy you're ever going to see, but I, I, I'll tell you, this is big, big, big news for Tennessee. Th- this is. You know, you look at his stats and you go, eh, what's what's the big deal? Then you watch everyone who wanted this kid and you watch everyone who analyzes this kid play and you say, oh, okay, he impacts the game in pretty much every way imaginable. Can play every spot but the center position, handles the ball like a point guard, passes like a point guard when he wants to shoot, has a pretty good left-handed stroke, and just fills up stat sheets game after game after game by doing little things and this is just grant just the floor is yours this is big time when i talked to his coach he said basically for his senior season i have to work on his shot making ability because he doesn't want to shoot it all he wants to do is distribute uh, and be that point guard Uh, but this guy is somebody that tennessee has been after for multiple years Uh, he's listed as a combo guard doesn't really apply to tennessee they've been recruiting him as a point guard he's been there Number one point guard on the board for years now, plural years. It's It's been a while. Uh, they offered this kid when he was in eighth grade after an AAU tournament game uh, that summer uh, after a bad game, uh, and they've been after him ever since. When when he was he put them in their final nine, I'll be honest, I thought it was just kind of a respect move. Uh, this program's been after me the longest. I'm going to have yeah. them on my list. When he was in the final – when they, he named them in the final four – uh, when you looked at it, it was them and Clemson, Duke and Michigan State, and you looked at, obviously, the Blue Bloods. Uh, if Duke wants you, Duke usually gets you. His dad played at Michigan State. Yeah. That made a lot of sense there. He ended up eliminating them, because uh, the Spartans, because it was so far from home. And then you looked at Clemson. You thought that was out of respect for his in-state school. I think his mom went to Clemson. Then you looked at Tennessee, and you, again, thought loyalty uh, out of respect, but it, it kind of became a Clemson-Tennessee battle. And I'll give this kid credit. I don't think anybody had a clue what was going on here. Uh, he was as quiet as any kid as I remember without being a drama queen. Yeah. Uh, this kid is, has a good head on his shoulders. He's, he's wise beyond his years when you read the way he kind of handles himself. Uh, I told a couple of people this. If Tennessee could build a prospect from the ground up, they would build Josiah James because he is a uh, tall, lanky, long, rangy point guard who runs, controls the tempo, runs the game, wants to distribute first and score second, uh, and he's really good in the classroom, and he's really good off the floor. So this kid uh, is perfect. And then you go into his recruitment, kind of the crazy story behind it. He had three visits scheduled, Tennessee first, Clemson second, Duke later this month. I think it was September 27th. Uh, I started getting text messages Friday night saying uh, this is, this is uh, last week, Friday night, when he was starting the Clemson visit, uh, saying that he could commit imminently, quote-unquote, and – that he could be making a decision soon, uh, that he was probably going to cancel the Duke official visit. Uh, when that happened, that obviously infers that Tennessee is going to get the commitment because he hadn't even started his Clemson official visit yet. 
then Sunday rolls around when his Clemson official visit wraps up, uh, and he announces on social media that he's set a date for his commitment. It's going to be Wednesday at 10.30 a.m. at his school. He cancels the Duke official visit, and I think when that happens, based on that happening, uh, the day his Clemson official visit ends, everyone assumes he saw what he needed to see. Clemson is the school. Uh, Tennessee's the bridesmaid again. Uh, but just something about those getting those texts Friday night, uh, put it in my head that it just makes more sense for Tennessee to be the option. He, he, he talked about, his coach talked about loyalty. His coach talked about how he loved the family feel at Tennessee. Uh, and it just felt like that made more sense. His coach talked about the number one thing for him on the floor was going somewhere that he would be uh, developed, that his game would keep growing. And obviously Rick Barnes kind of has that reputation of developing uh, specifically point guards and, and being really crazy about his guards. So uh, I kind of prepared for today going into it, thinking it might be Tennessee, giving it kind of that shot that Tennessee's not out this of it. This is true. This is not, this is not some, uh, this is not Grant just saying after the fact conveniently that he thought Tennessee had a chance here. This, this, this dude was telling me last night, I think I th- he goes, I might be crazy, but I really think this is going to happen. This is legitimately what he told me. He said, Maybe I'm missing something, but I, I think a lot of people are way off on this. I think Tennessee could get this kid. It just made too much sense. Like, Tennessee's in a really good spot right now, obviously. Uh, they need that. They've been searching for that that guard, that you know, that high-profile, talented guard. Somebody that, obviously, Josiah James fits that description. And it, it just made sense. I mean, obviously, there's going to be the in-state pool uh, with Clemson, and, and maybe he grew up maybe a fan of Clemson's program or something like that, but... Uh, just based on the stuff that I mean, they they dedicated the Larry Pratt locker room and player lounge at Thompson Bowling Arena the Friday of Josiah's official visit starting. So Josiah was there, uh, and the player lounge is crazy. They got a full kitchen, all the nutritional stuff, all the training and uh, rehabil- rehabilitation stuff, all that. Uh, they announced Rick's raise and extension two days before his official visit started. So it just felt like everything had kind of aligned even though so many people thought it was Clemson. Now, I didn't put in a crystal ball thinking Tennessee would get him. I didn't know Tennessee would get him, honestly, uh, until he was standing there at his podium and he pulled out Tennessee has. So uh, it was wild. It was crazy. Obviously, it's a, it's a really big day uh, for Tennessee football and, if, and basketball. And if you look at uh, the Moultrie News, his hometown paper, he kind of wrote uh, an open letter describing his decision, his recruitment, his kind of perspective on all this. Uh, and it really is pretty incredible if you go back and read it. This kid is mature beyond his years. Uh, it's a really, really good read on on why he chose Tennessee and all the things that went into it. Uh, kind of, if you've read the Players Tribune, I would think Players Tribune. Uh, but it's it's pretty incredible. He's talking about Rick being there when he was 13 and offering him a scholarship. He's talking about uh, on his official visit, Rick stops him after they've played in the open gym for a while and says, "You're you're kind of getting lazy right here with your shot. You need to keep it up higher." And he he wrote something about. You know, what kind of coach stops and says that at that point? That Usually those coaches are trying to talk you up because you're a five-star guy they want. They're not critiquing your shot. Uh, and being that honest with you, he talked about playing pickup with the Tennessee basketball team, and uh, he drove to the lane and got fouled, and Lamonte Turner stopped him and said, if you do this and this and this, you'll have a little bit more room at the rim uh, for the, to finish that layup. And he, he wrote something along the lines of that, that really kind of stuck with him because, you know, who really does that? It just had that family feel. Uh, and it, kind of everything that he was looking for. So, yeah. obviously a big day for them. And, and, and you know, it, it goes – it should go without saying, but just, just to relay this to people who might be, like, hardcore, you know, big-time intelligent, know everything about football fans and basketball they like, but they don't, you know, 
they don't know every single thing about it. You know, and then there are some Tennessee fans who fall in that category. Uh, and I do think Tennessee's basketball fan base is one of the best and most underrated in college basketball. But I think there's also a lot of people who are, you know, football first people. For those people, I will say it is really, really important that your point guard and your primary ball handler be mature. You need to be level-headed there. You need to be – it doesn't mean you can't be emotional sometimes. you got to be a fiery leader too, but you've got to be level-headed when push comes to shove. You've got to be mature. You've got to be intelligent. You've got to know not just the game, but you've got to know your teammates. You've got to know if a guy is cutting just slightly the wrong way or tipping something on his drive, if he's doing anything – You've got to know that, and you've got to talk to him, and you've got to adjust that. You've got to run everything. And it's kind of like it really is. It's not exactly the same thing, but it's like a quarterback. If you want a quarterback who's a mature kid versus a quarterback who's an immature kid, give me the mature kid all day long, even if he's maybe not quite as talented. And and to have a kid like this who's a five-star point guard, and I know that some people have said, oh, well, maybe he's a combo guard. Some people think he's a combo guard, but Tennessee does not. Tennessee 150% thinks this kid is a point guard, and that's where they're going to play him, no doubt about it. And to have a kid who has those skills and to be a five-star with those skills and to be mature about things, that that's just huge. Mm-hmm. And you don't that's not a given. You know, we all know the way the basketball AAU circuit is. We know the way things go there. To find a five-star who's truly a really humble, quiet kid who doesn't make a big deal about his recruitment, you, you just don't see that a lot. And he wrote in that, that kind of open letter that he published that uh, one of the harder parts of this was calling Clemson and calling Duke and saying, I appreciate you guys, but I'm not coming there because uh, he doesn't want to disappoint people and, and stuff like that. Uh, and, and I think that comes from his family and his parents and, and the you know the, the atmosphere he was raised in because on Sunday I saw somebody had wrote it, uh, maybe that, that same Moultrie News uh, publication, the guy that covers him. He wrote that when, when he announced this stuff on Sunday that he was going to decide on, uh, he's going to announce on Wednesday and his Duke official visit was canceled, as soon as all that stuff was over with, the first thing he had to do, his mom handed him his, his phone back and said, you got to call Mike Krzyzewski and say you're not coming. Or you know yeah. you got to tell him what's going on. So uh, I think he's definitely a product of of being raised by uh, a good pair of parents who uh, kept their head on the shoulders. And when you talk to their coach, when I talked to their coach, he said he's a guy that uh, it it might have overwhelmed him at the at the start of his recruitment when everybody started calling him and all these big schools wanted him because he kind of blew up uh, pretty quickly. But he never really changed. He was the same guy before as he was after, which. That's why I keep going back and saying if, if you could if you could build up a guy that Tennessee would like from the ground up, this this would be the kid they'd want. Yeah, and it is it's like a you need to put an asterisk by because it's a Rick Barnes five star kind of kid. Yeah, you know basically not just a five star, a Rick Barnes kind of five star. And he said, "I want those types of players, but I also demand that they fit into what we're doing here." He's he, I've asked him about it point blank a couple times, and he said, "Listen, I want those guys." Uh, those five-star guys, those, those guys that y'all rank fives and fours, and a lot of them are ones that we think are the best in the country too, and those are the guys that we want. But if they don't fit into what we're doing here and they're, they're going to be an issue with any of that, that's not our kind of guy. That's not what we're doing They're not going to sacrifice that. No, they're not. They, they won't. And I, I, when you just review, just quickly, review everything about this situation. This is a five-star guard who is the legacy 
he's a Michigan State legacy five-star who tells Michigan State and Tom Izzo, no thank you. He is a five-star who calls Mike Krzyzewski on the phone and says, thank you for this dream offer, but no thank you. This is a kid. As in, a kid in the Carolinas, too, yeah, from that part of the country. Right there. And, and not just that, on top of that, he's, he's a Carolinas kid who tells Krzyzewski, you know, and then he's a South Carolina kid who tells, you know, the South Carolinas and Clemsons, a lot of pressure around, around that area, because they'll usually understand when you go to Duke. They're like, okay, cool, yeah, we get it. You go to Duke or UNC, everyone understands that. No one's going to say anything. But if you are from that area and you're picking like a Tennessee over Clemson and South Carolina, there's going to be some people who are going to give you a hard time about that. There are going to be some people who are not happy about that. This kid, you know that he wants to go to Tennessee because of all the things that he turned down and all the situations around him that that would have pointed elsewhere. You know how much he wanted to be here in, in Knoxville because you can j- just look at the just look at the situation. This isn't a kid who's like uh, if he's not 100% sold on Tennessee, Tennessee's not his pick here. There's so many reasons why Tennessee wouldn't be the pick. Mm-hmm. But he had to be that committed mentally to want to do this, I think. Yeah, and and when I talked to his coach, I I came away feeling like they may have a legit shot at this guy because I didn't think going into that conversation they were going to have a legit shot at that guy just based on the track record uh, and the other schools they were competing against. But, I mean, yeah, you, uh, and that's what he wrote. He wrote, when you know, you know, and there's no need to waste anybody's time because that's disrespectful to those other programs. Yep. And, and he said, he said, I wanted to get this out here and my recruitment's over and I'm done taking phone calls, this is that. Uh, and if you're confused about the basketball cycles and the signing periods, he can sign beginning November 14th. That's the open of the fall signing period uh, for college basketball. And then you would assume he'll uh, enroll either next May, next June, something like that at, at Tennessee. And, and he's walking into a situation where uh, Jordan Bone's going to be a senior, Jordan Bound's going to be a senior. Is that right? Am I doing that math correct? Let's see Grant here. Grant Williams yeah. is going to be a senior. That, that whole Fulkerson will be a red shirt junior. I mean, yep. there's going to be a ton of pieces that have been in this system uh, and has this kind of ball rolling. And, I mean, Clemson, Brad Rennell's building a pretty good program. Yeah, he is. That, he, he's, a good, he's a good basketball coach who all of the basketball coaches really respect. It's easy to forget. They they were number five seed last year in the NCAA tournament. They won 25 games. They beat Auburn by 31 in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. I mean, they throttled them. It was that game that was 43-19 at halftime. Little John's been redone recently. Yeah, it was you that. Know, Clemson football has, has put a lot more hype right, back into that right, whole athletic right. department. It was that game. I mean, we went over there for that hurricane exhibition relief, hurricane relief uh, exhibition that they played uh, last October, and that was, little did we know, two programs that were going to surprise a ton of people, uh, a number three seed and a number five seed uh, in the NCAA tournament. But, I mean, this is huge. I, I was – I don't know if people want to think this is like a watershed moment for the Tennessee basketball program under Rick. I mean, they did a lot of stuff last year that felt like kind of little watershed moments adding oh, yeah. up. Like this, this program's in a really good place. But obviously, when you get this kid, uh, that's that's a that's a crowning achievement uh, for their for their time at Tennessee. Yeah, it's definitely a big day for for Tennessee and a, a monumental kind of moment, uh, I guess you could say, for this staff. Uh, and they've had a lot of good moments here, certainly not just recruiting, but on the court. That's If you don't play well on the court, it's hard to get that recruiting going sometimes. So it took a lot to put all that together. But, Grant, what, what does this mean for for Tennessee's 2019 class? There's three guys in it now. 
you got obviously Josiah James, big deal. Everyone knows about him. We've just spent the past 20 minutes talking about him. Uh, you've also got the, the local kid, Pember, uh, Drew Pember, the, the big man who can shoot a little bit. They're from Bearden High School. A lot of upside, but rail thin, but just, a, I think, a really high upside prospect. And then Devontae Gaines, uh, another kind of upside guy, a, a lean six foot seven wing who's from New York, but is currently playing down there at Hargrave, Mil- or up there, I guess I should say, at Hargrave Military Academy in Virginia. But in terms of this class, what does this mean? Where is this class now? What's the space situation? Uh, not not like Josh Dobbs space, like like actual space. <laughs> space on Earth? Yeah, space space here on Earth, uh, in, in this little system we've got here on Earth. What does this mean for this class, and, and, and what are some storylines that, that could emerge in the next few weeks and months? Well, technically it's full right now. Three yeah. people it's full because you have two people, two seniors on the roster, Admiral Schofield and Kyle Alexander. They're out of eligibility after this season, so that opens up two spots. And then they left open that 2018 spot. Yeah when they missed on <clears throat> well, Quan Four was the, the graduate transfer they were trying to add who ended up at Louisville. He wouldn't have impacted numbers for 2019 class anyway because he would have been a fifth-year guy. But anyway, bottom line, you have three guys, three spots, three guys filling those spots. Uh, I think people, when people look at Devontae Gaines, he committed kind of out of the middle of nowhere. Nobody knew who he was when he committed. He hasn't really blown up since then. Uh, he's a three-star guy. He's ranked 285 overall in the yeah. class. I think everybody keeps expecting him to be processed. I mean, especially now that you add a guy like Josiah James and maybe you, uh, they're still recruiting other people. Yeah, that will open the door for others, I imagine. Right, but but he's been committed since July 2017. I have a 14-month-old son, and his commitment is older than my son, yeah. which is pretty incredible. Uh, he If he sticks around, he sticks around. I mean, he can't reclassify because he has already reclassified. He was a 2018, now he's a 2019, and he's at Hargrave Military Academy. Uh, doing a prep year. Uh, Drew Pember is a guy that could reclassify. He's a guy that could be a candidate to bump back to the 2020 class and go to uh, a prep school. He's said that openly. Uh, He grew up a Tennessee fan. He got the offer uh, over the summer or in the spring, back in the spring, I guess, and committed pretty quickly because he grew up a Tennessee fan. And he told me on the phone, uh, if they want me to reclassify and bump back, I'm open to that. I just want to play basketball at Tennessee. Or he could be a candidate to just come in as a 2019 kid in red shirt because they can do that now. They have enough They have numbers. Right, they can right. do that. And pick up in 2020. So uh, that's the thing to watch is, is does True Pember uh, reclassify and bump back? Does Devontae Gaines sign with them when the window opens November 14th, the, the fall window uh, from November 14th to November 21st? And then once, the, uh, once you get to the spring, once the season ends, the 2018-19 season, obviously uh, the epide- uh, epidemic of – transferring in college basketball grows and grows and grows yes. and grows every yes. year. It is a uh, fungus. And you never know until you get there. You just never know. I mean, you, you don't know. Uh, and this and this staff has dealt with it in the past. Obviously, Ray Casongo, Shambari Phillips, Quay Parker, Chris Darrington. There's going to be turnover in every program. It's just a matter uh, of if it hits you in that class. Yeah, I'm a major proponent of that rule and a big fan of that rule, but it does come with consequences, and that is it makes – things more difficult for coaches now am i going to feel pity for guys making that much money no i'm not no (laughs) right like (laughs) that's part of like it's supposed to be a difficult job with that salary but yeah i I mean it's it's still tough like Jalen lequeux four-star guard combo guard really high rated guard and tennessee can't be done at guard because they got josiah james because you have jordan bowen jordan bowden lamonte turner they're all going to be running up on the end of their eligibility at the same time so you're going to have to restock uh in the backcourt well Jalen lequeux was the official visit last weekend uh, and when he flew out, 
Rick Barnes was at the airport. All three assistants were at the airport. Gary Meanwhile's strength coach was at the airport. Uh, video coordinator Brian Lynch, the new hire, was at the airport. Director of player development, Aubin Gopora, was at the airport. That's a full-court press. Sorry for the bad pun. Uh, no, it works. They're going after that kid just like they went after Josiah James. They want him. They've been off, uh, they, they offered him probably a year to 18 months ago. They've been on him a while. They want him. If he wants to commit, you're going to take that commitment, and you're going to try to figure out the numbers uh, closer to signing day, which maybe that's a bad conversation with somebody in the class, or maybe that's asking Drew Pember to bump back. But they're going to keep recruiting, uh, and it's going to be a fluid number. But right now, sitting here today, uh, they have three spots, and they have three guys filling those spots. Yeah, if I if I were a betting man, I would say that there is no chance that one every single person comes back, and that this is the full signing class as is. I, I think maybe one of those two things happens, but I don't think both of those things will happen. Uh, a couple other news and notes before we get out of here really quickly. Uh, good news for Josh Richardson, former Tennessee basketball player who should be entering his prime right now as a pro. He's kind of been steadily progressing up the ranks there with the Heat, and he's become a, a vital member. I think he's pretty much started every game. He's been healthy the past couple of years. And uh, our, 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 is, it our, is it our family there at CBS that came out oh, with yeah, these rankings? Own us, our step-parents. Our, ste- our step-parents. Step-dad. Yeah, we'll, we'll call them step-dad in a fire. <laughs> Even in a fire. Even in a fire, we will call them step-dad. What do they – just – what does this mean? He was ranked, I think, what is it, 67th overall? 75. 75? 75. I gave you the wrong number. 75. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Uh, he was ranked above Hassan Whiteside, who I thought was viewed as the bigger uh, piece of that puzzle for the Miami Heat. But uh, number 75 overall in the league, when you think about it, he was the 40th guy in his draft class. And yeah. now he's number 75 overall uh, in the league. And, and what CBS Sports wrote about him was uh, he's one of the best two-way players in the league. He can play defense. He shot 38% from the three-point line. Uh, last year, and he was one of the, I think they wrote, one of the most consistent Heat players uh, the last couple of years. And moving forward, he should be one of the most consistent players. So you talk about player development. I mean, that guy's huge. Uh, what he's done since, yeah. you know, Conzo Martin did with him at UT from turning him into a, a, a guy who's a lockdown defender to a guy who can do what he needs to do on the offensive end and turn himself into a really good NBA player. Yeah, he's not one of those guys that if you're an NBA team, you're going to just say, we're going to build this entire thing around Josh Richardson. But if you have something built, you need a guy like yes. him on your team. You yeah, absolutely, valuable. Very, very valuable. If, if he's a third banana, fourth banana, whatever it is, scoring-wise, just everything that he brings on both sides can defend almost any spot on the floor. Uh, just just a really good – and you know what? Just honestly one of the better – uh, guys that I've covered too, just a right. super super kid from a great family. Not going to cause you any problems. No, nah, know he, what you're getting from. Him. Yeah, his his mother uh, was an Air Force captain, I believe, and she was a chaplain of the Oklahoma City Police Department. And his father was an Oklahoma uh, City firefighter. And what he does, yeah, he just just came from a disciplined background. What he does, if he stays unhealthy, you know, knock on wood for Josh Richardson that that happens, he can play in the league for a long time. You don't have to be the best defender in the league to stay in the league. You don't have to be the best three-point shooter. You just have to be productive, efficient on both ends of the floor. He can be less, lesser of what he is right now and still have a spot in the league. He could have a long career. Yeah, I've looked at it like this. If you want to play in the NBA for a long time, you got to be one of two things. you got to be pretty good at everything, or you got to be really, really great at one or two things. And he could be pretty good yeah. on both ends of the floor, decent, good enough to, to earn his living for a while. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and some interesting news also on the current – team front Tennessee has come out uh, there's been a lot of love and I know that we've debated on this very podcast whether Tennessee should be a top five or even top 10 type team preseason I believe that 
that is where Tennessee should be. I think you and others are understandably a little more skeptical of that because of just the maybe the lack of pure five-star star power at the end of a game to just turn something around. And, and, and I understand that. Um, they will, they'll be going into the season with a target on their back. Everyone knows that. That can change things. Uh, but I, I still think this is a, a preseason top five or at least top ten caliber team, and it looks like at least one person agrees with me on that. Yeah, they were number five in uh, Blue Ribbon's top 25, preseason top 25. And Chris Dorch, he's no stranger to the Tennessee basketball nope. program. He is local. He is he knows that program as well as he knows any program. And if he thinks they're a top five team, uh, that's, that's a pretty big – that's a pretty big compliment, a lot of respect for them. It's, it's just going to come down to, you know, they have the horses to do it. They have the experience. They have the coaching. It's just a matter of them getting on the floor and living up to those expectations. Yeah, everybody in hoops knows Chris Dorch. And, and for all the for all the national guys that, that come through Knoxville for games here and there, he, he's there more than any of them, uh, for sure. He knows that program. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's just a testament to, to what – Barnes and those guys have built there, you know, that that was such a young team last season and to do what it did and to bring everything it's bringing back now, the only thing I see getting in this team's way, and this is just a potential, the only thing potentially that I see wrong with this team, are, I know there's two things. One, the point guard situation. Yeah. If, you know, you just want, if Jordan Bone plays well, I got no worries about this team. Uh, but the only other thing is that do you have guys who want to have a bigger role on the team now and if they're not scoring – you know, will they be able to to kind of buy into the concept of having their role? Because you get closer to as a guy senior season, you know, you get older. These guys want to play. They want to get a chance to make money at the next level. They want to change the the lives of their family by be by making it big and doing these things. And sometimes, if you know, maybe they'll say, okay, for a year or two, I'll I'll, I'll be this fourth or fifth banana. I'll be your bench energy guy, yada yada. But to do that again. Um, it's just it's it's not a given, and, and it's, it's tough to make sure that all those pieces. It looks like everything's going to fit together the way it did last season, but almost everything fit together last mm-hmm. season, and it's just so hard to kind of keep that bottled up. Yeah, and, and what they have going in their favor, even if you don't know what you get from Jalen Johnson, from Eve Pons, even from uh, Jordan Bowden, you know what you're getting from Lamonte Turner. You know what you're getting from Grant Williams. You know what you're getting from Admiral Schofield. Those Mm -hmm. are three pretty good players to ride uh, night in and night out in this league. And then it just comes down to X factors. How good can Jordan Bone be? Uh, Does does Lamonte Turner suffer because he's kind of got to be that backup point guard now that they didn't add a guard in that 2018 class? That's that's the kind of thing that kind of makes me pump the brakes a little bit. Can they be good enough at guard Mm -hmm. and consistent enough? But they have the pieces in place to be a – I think at worst a top ten team floating towards closer yeah. to ten than uh, to number two or three or whatever. But it's fair, you know what? What do they get from all these guys, and kind of how does it come together? Like you said, but it's it's one thing uh, for sure. It's going to be interesting, uh, exciting. Uh, it, it, there's there's a lot of people looking forward to basketball season a lot more than it has been in the past year in a long, long time. And the one thing I'll say when you walk around these guys on campus, you see very quickly that they have not changed. No. They, they, nothing about them changes. They, Grant Williams is the same goofy kid that he was, you know, four or five months ago. Um, Lamonte Turner's the same guy who just never leaves the gym that he was four or five months ago. Admiral Schofield, same dude he's always been. You have to take a spatula to pull him, kind of pry him out of the gym mm-hmm. most of the time. Right. You know, Kyle Alexander is still in the weight room as much as he can be to, to get his game better. Uh, you know, Jordan Bone is being a gym rat. You know, all these guys walking around, they're not walking around 
like like their uh, stuff don't stink now. Yeah. They still are the same guys, and that doesn't mean anything in terms of what it's going to be this season. But I think it's you can control what you, you control what you can control, and I think this team, their mindset. Uh, is something that they can control, and it looks to me like they don't think they're too big for the British yet. No, and and when you talk to them, there is nothing stopping that hype train because they talk about how much time they spent in the gym this summer. They didn't do Rocky Top League. They stayed in Pratt Pavilion, did their own thing. They talk about how much closer they are on the floor and off the floor. They talk about and they are close when you want to work. Yeah, and it's not just you know lip service. It's legit. And, and when you talk to them about off season work, you know Admiral Schofield told me it's hard to get a rim in Pratt Pavilion because everybody wants to be in there at the same time working yeah. and and trying to build on what they did last year. I talked to somebody today that said you wouldn't believe how quickly DJ Burns has come in and and you know stepped right into the program. It's easy to forget about that and adjusted and and kind of picked up the pace because just kind of where the culture is with this program right now and where it's kind of rolling towards. So. And that's going to make he and Darren Walker, Derek Walker, I should say, push each other harder every day, and yeah, that's going to be a nice. There's, battle there. there's a ton of competition. Jalen Johnson, Eve Ponds, uh, you know, Grant Williams, Kyle Alexander, all those guys. In and Fulkey's starting to look a little bit more like himself to yeah, me. Yeah, DJ Burns, Zach Kent, uh, Fulkey. Everybody's going to have to earn their minutes uh, because there's a lot of competition, which, yeah. which bodes well. I do like what I'm seeing out of, what, out of Fulkey right now. Grant, before we get out of here, this is the very last thing because you and I have got to run over to football practice today. Uh, I don't think we'll – I'm guessing we probably won't have you on the football pod this week because you don't like to come play with us for football pods. Um, and, no and, and something about, I don't know, kids and, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. I, I, I drown out sometimes when you're talking. You're just going to start putting them in the closet and driving yeah, over Yeah, here. put them in a padded room. They'll turn the light on. They can take care of themselves. They can walk. They're good. They know where their refrigerator is. If What do you see with this game? Because I legitimately, with this Tennessee-Florida football game, it's really late in the week for me to still not know exactly what I'm going to pick. And I, yeah. to, to be candid, I'm going to have to come up with something by the time we, we air the football pod, but, but I, I'm, not, I'm not there right now. I can't figure this out. I'm in that same boat. Uh, not to offend anybody, but it's two programs that are struggling right now. Yes. Obviously, they're starting over with two brand-new coaching staffs for both teams. Uh, Florida lost at home to Kentucky for the first time in uh, 31 years in that series they lost to Kentucky. So that's pretty that's crazy. Bad. That's bad, right? I think the key, I think they're even enough that home field and that Neyland Stadium crowd at night after a day's worth of tailgating uh, could make a difference. Uh, how good of a team is Florida on the road? They obviously weren't very good at home because they couldn't beat Kentucky. And that Kentucky team I don't think is a world beater. Uh, Tennessee's offensive line is going to be a kind of an X factor. They need to be able to run the ball. They got the backs to run the ball. They just need to be able to have the space to run the ball and control the game. The way I look at it, if you can get to halftime against West Virginia at 13-7 to and West Virginia kicked a field goal in the last play of the half or it would have been 10-7, to you need to get to halftime with the same or similar kind of score against a Florida team that's nowhere close to what West Virginia was. And yeah. then you need to get to the fourth quarter. If they can extend this game, if they can get it to the fourth quarter – Maybe something happens right for Tennessee, and you, you kind of trust that Jeremy Pruitt, the defensive mind he is, can scheme his defense to get you to the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I think I'm going to I'm gonna mention a lot more about this during the, during the football pod, but the start to me is going to be so critical right. to that game. If Tennessee you know, has been a slow starting team this season, if Tennessee can, can open with a score on offense and a stop on defense or the, or the other way around, and that crowd is lubed up and gets going, I, I think – that could be enough for Tennessee to get on the right track and to, to get that win because I think whoever loses that game might might not go to a bowl. So right. so it's it's it is what it is. Um, and you know what? Here's what's interesting. 
no matter how good or bad Tennessee and Florida have been in recent years, they give us some of the best games of the season every season. At least they're bad together right now. Yeah, and that's that's nice because the Tennessee-Georgia one, that used to be the great games, and now it's not looking like maybe great games coming there for a little bit. But the uh, Tennessee-Florida, that looks um, – it's exciting. It, it's maybe not championship, uh, you know, college football playoff caliber football, but it's but it's pretty good. If Tennessee's going to a bowl game, you got to win this one, I think. Thanks for tuning in this week, guys. We'll be back on Thursday or Friday morning with a uh, with a football podcast. It'll be me and I'm guessing Patrick Brown, and we might let Ryan in. We might not. We haven't decided yet. He is stuff him in a locker after practice. It's a game time decision. We'll we'll see. He's uh, he's been Ryanish uh, the past couple of days, and that that's not helping his chances. But we we might let him into the house here to go to Fort Rucker Studio. The website GoVols247.com, where you can get this sort of tomfoolery. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, including a lot of insights for the VIP subscribers uh, for for just a low, low rate, less than a mediocre lunch, actually. You can get uh, stuff instantly. And then uh, if you're a freeloader, you can still come to the site. There's still plenty for there for you, too. We try to have a little something for, for everybody. The, uh, the paying members get the best stuff, but the rest of y'all can get uh y'all can get some pretty good stuff too we're on twitter twitter.com slash govals 24 7 we're on facebook at facebook.com slash govals 24 7 i'm west rucker 24 7 on twitter grant ramey is grant ramey on 24 7 and uh patrick and ryan you can also find them on twitter at p brown 24 7 and ryan callahan 24 7 so we will see y'all uh, i guess just a couple days grant do you have any final thoughts turn out the lights party's over <laughs>